Well, amen. Well, let's look at Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 12. Isaiah chapter 12. I want to share a message entitled, Great is the Lord. Our songs that we've been singing this morning have all been talking about the majesty and greatness of our God. And certainly as we come to the communion table today, we're reminded of the goodness and the greatness of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Isaiah chapter 12, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. It says, And at that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee, though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation, I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He is also, he also is become my salvation. Therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall ye say, praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitants of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to have the word in front of us this morning. Uh, what a joy it is to be able to come to the communion table and be reminded of all that Christ has done in uh, forgiving us and cleansing us of all of our sins. We're thankful, Lord, that as we read through the scriptures over and over again, we read of the majestic character of our God. And Lord, I pray that as I share the word of God this morning, each of us will be drawn into a deeper understanding and a joyful understanding, acknowledgement of all that God is to us. And Lord, I would pray if there's anyone here that's not saved this morning, uh, that they might realize the greatness of our Lord, realize the mercy and the grace that is extended. And I pray they might come and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. So bless the preaching of the Word of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 6 is, uh, is our text verse. It says, Cry out and shout, thou inhabitants of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. So great is the Lord, and uh, he certainly is worthy of our praise. It's uh, amazing to study the book of Isaiah, and as you come to chapter 11 and chapter 12 of uh, Isaiah, it really is a description of the millennial kingdom uh, when Jesus Christ, the Messiah, will be reigning on the throne of David. And it's a pro prophecy concerning the branch that would come in chapter 11 in verse 1. It says, There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And that's speaking in reference to the Messiah. It's speaking about Jesus Christ, and Isaiah is focusing on the millennial reign of Christ. And so the response uh, to the uh, children of Israel is that when their Messiah comes and the kingdom is established, that they were to cry out and shout in reference to the greatness of their Savior, the greatness of their God, the Lord Jehovah. And so chapter 11, as it announces the branch that would come, chapter 11 outlines for us a sevenfold fullness of the Holy Spirit upon that branch, upon that Messiah. And in chapter 11, we see a sevenfold, it says in verse 2, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, 
the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and it shall make him a, of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. And so the sevenfold spirit revealed in the branch or the Messiah that would come in verse 2. Notice it takes here that the spirit of the Lord would rest upon him. And so we see, uh, first of all, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, upon the one that would come, the branch, the Holy Spirit of God. You know, in Matthew chapter 3, when Jesus was baptized, uh, it says that the Spirit of God came down upon him. It's amazing that after he was baptized, it would be the Spirit of God that would lead him into the wilderness to be tempted of 40, 40 days and 40 nights. And so the establishment and acknowledgement of Jesus as that branch, the Messiah that would come, is seen in not only in Isaiah, but the Spirit coming upon him in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16. It says also that he would have the Spirit of wisdom, uh, not only the Spirit of God upon him, but the Spirit of wisdom that would speak in reference to ethical and religious wisdom and understanding and comprehension. You know, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 47, uh, Jesus amazed those that were around him, the lawyers of the day and the Pharisees and the scribes that were there uh, because of the fact as a 12-year-old lad in the temple, his wisdom far outweighed and was beyond what their understanding was in all ethical uh, situations and all religion. And uh, sometimes a man wants to pride himself on his ability to grasp and academically understand things, but Jesus Christ had a far deeper understanding of who God is, revealing all that God is, speaking to these men in positions of authority and leadership and confounding them with the depth of his wisdom. And so not only do we see that, but understanding. It says a spirit of wisdom and understanding. The word understanding there deals with the concept of discernment. Discernment. You know, before the Pharisees or anyone ever said anything to Jesus, he already discerned in his heart what they were thinking. And the amazing thing is that the Messiah that come uh, brings joy and it brings excitement and shows us the greatness of our God because he knows the beginning to the end. Uh, there is nothing that surprises God, nothing that catches God off guard. There is nothing that Jesus does not already know and understand completely. So he would have this spirit of discernment upon him. And then one of counsel. He says he would have the spirit of counsel. Uh, counsel just carries with it the idea of uh, advising someone, uh, counseling someone. You know, before Jesus went to the cross, he sat with his disciples and taught them of how they needed to respond. He'd warned them that he was going to be crucified. He told them of the, the uh, home that we have in heaven. He encouraged them that he would send them the spirit of wisdom. They would send the spirit of God upon them and he would bring all things to remembrance, all that Jesus had taught them. And so the uh, counsel of the Lord, uh, oftentimes people say, well, I need counseling. There's no greater one you can turn to for counseling than for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Christ. I think many times uh, we are quick to want to get man's ideas and thoughts about struggles that we're going through, but not willing to go to the Word of God, the, the supreme counselor of our life. And so he would be the one who would give advice to his people. Not only would he have the spirit of counsel and might, but it tells us here of strength. I mean, not just counsel, but also of might, which would identify strength and valor. Uh, you know, Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. That speaks of strength and value. It talks about virtue. It talks about the, the valor of our Lord. He is, though, listen, he is the captain of the host. He is the one who wars for our soul. He is the mighty warrior that's going to fight against the nations of this world. And so Jesus Christ, the Messiah that would come, is prophesied in Isaiah that he would not just only have a spirit upon him and one of wisdom and understanding and counsel and might, uh, but he would also be the one who had the spirit of knowledge. The word knowledge means just be skillful. In John chapter 3, when Jesus was confronting Nicodemus, uh, one of the great leaders of the Israelites in the days of Christ. Uh, and Jesus was revealing to him this matter that you must be born again. And Jesus rebukes him. He says, art thou a teacher in Israel and knoweth not these things? And it's an amazing thing that Christ has all skill and all knowledge in all things and yet man uh, wants to try to uh, debate or deny the reality of Christ. And then the last thing here, it says, and a fear of the Lord. The word fear there means reverence. To fear God, to reverence God, to acknowledge all that God is. And in the millennial reign of Christ, Isaiah is prophesying that these seven character traits or characteristics that are prophesied that would be upon the Messiah will be seen and lived out in front of man. And yet Jesus Christ, when he came into this world, he lived out these things for the glory of God to bring man to saving knowledge uh, of salvation through him and him alone. So no wonder our verse says, Cry out and shout, thou inhabitants of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. And our God is great. I'll tell you one thing right now. We have a great Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who cares for us and provides for us and watches over us, and we can worship and we can praise the Holy One of heaven, Jesus Christ. And so great is the Lord. First of all, I want to see in our chapter, chapter 12, the praise of God's people, the praise of God's people in verse 1 and 2 says, and in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Uh, you know, I wonder if God's crying out that he wants us to praise him in the days that we live in right now. The reality is when we get in the presence of God, the character trait of our life will be praising the Lord. He says, and in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. So the praise of God's people. First of all, the praise of God's people because of the turning of God's anger. You know, uh, the Bible tells us that as a sinner, as someone who is lost, uh, that we are enemies with God. 
And oftentimes people try to present this concept that, well, everybody's a friend of God. No, we're not. Without Christ in our, as our personal Savior, the Bible identifies us as the enemies of God. But when we trust Christ as our Savior, we come in relationship with this great God. We, uh, God's anger is turned away from us because His anger is exercised, His wrath and His judgment on His only begotten Son who hung on the cross of Calvary. In Psalm 38 in verse 1, it says, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath. I'm telling you, it's a terrible place to be, is to be under the wrath of Almighty God. We have, listen, we have eliminated the reality that God is still a God who is on the throne of heaven, who is still a God of wrath and judgment. He says, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thine hours stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For mine iniquities are gone over my head as a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all day long. I'm telling you, that's the condition of man when he does not have the wrath of God turned away from him. And so in the millennial reign of Christ, when the Messiah is reigning on the throne here on uh, the earth, it says here they would rejoice and they would praise their God because of the turning of his anger away from them. Listen, if you're saved this morning, you have something to rejoice in. You're saved this morning. You have something to acknowledge in praising God because you're not under the wrath of God anymore. The grace of God has delivered you and saved you. And got, because of that, God's wrath and his anger has been turned away from you. So the turning of God's anger gives me a reason to praise the Lord. I see another thing in our text is the trusting in God's deliverance. In uh, verse 2, it says, um, God... Uh, is my strength, I will trust and not be afraid. The, Isaiah is acknowledging that not only can we rejoice in that we can praise uh, God because his anger has been turned, but we can trust in God's deliverance because we are his people. And I just want you to know this, whatever it is that you're going through this morning, you can still praise the Lord because you're on the winning side with the Lord Jesus Christ. Our God always wins. He never loses. And because of that, then we can have something to praise God about in the church and in our personal lives because we're trusting in God's ability to deliver us. And I think sometimes we just get all down in the mouth and we get all defeated thinking that God's not able, but my God is able. Amen. I remember Dr. Malone talking about a student once. He saw him in the school. And as he was saw him coming down the hallways, he said he always walked with his head hanging low and always walked around depressed. And he said, I finally, I asked him, I said, how are you doing today? And he said, I'm doing okay under the circumstances. And he told him, he said, what are you doing underneath of there? God is the one who gets us on top of the circumstances, amen. And I think sometimes we forget we can trust the living God and he can give us what we need to get through whatever it is we're facing in life. And so we have something to praise the Lord. 
I mean, you can come in church and be happy when everything's falling apart. You can read the Word of God and move away from it and uh, be in a joyful state because of the fact that you can trust in the living God. He can take care of you, uh, trusting in God's deliverance. I was talking to a fellow yesterday, and uh, we had our basketball tournament this past weekend. I was talking to one of the fellows from one of the churches, and he came to me, he told me, he said, you know what, I read your bio on the internet. And uh, I said, I thought to myself, oh boy, what's this going to be? And uh, he, he said this to me. He said, I'm praying about starting a church. He said, and I read your bio, how you talked about how God took care of you when you were a wife and, and you had nothing. He said, that was such an encouragement to me. He said, I'll tell you what, I've got, I got determination. I'm going to go out and do something and trust God. I'm going to tell you, too many Christians aren't doing anything for God because you don't think God can take care of you. Now, God can deliver you out of whatever it is that you're facing or what you're having to go through. So I can praise God. Oh, man, I'll tell you what, I can have troubles. I can have problems. I can have things getting me down. But bless God, I still can come into the church and praise the living God. And so he says the praise of God's people because of the turning of God's anger and trusting in God's deliverance. You know, David, when he stood against Goliath, he told Goliath, Goliath thought he was going to whip David. All these mighty warriors were there. All this mighty armor was on the warriors. All of them were standing in the cowardly position, ashamed because of the Philistines mocking the people of God. But this lad, young boy, David, a shepherd of sheep, comes down and confronts mighty Goliath. And he tells him, God delivered me out of the pole of the lion. And God delivered me out of the pole of the bear. And I'm going to tell you, God's going to deliver me out of your hand also. Christians, you have something to praise God about because God can deliver you. Well, I thought that was exciting. Amen. I'm glad everybody else did. Turning of God's anger, trusting in God's deliverance, testing God's strength. Notice it says in verse 2, says, not only says, for God is my salvation, I will trust and I'll be afraid. He says, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. Trusting in God's strength. You don't, you don't feel like you can get up. <coughs> you don't feel like you can go get on going. I'm going to tell you one thing right now. Uh, God can get you up. He can give you the strength to face each day. God can give you the ability to continue on. I remember Dr. Malone preaching a message years ago. And he was preaching on men quitting and quitting on God and quitting in ministry. And he said, you know how, how, how godly men quit? He said, you get beat down, you feel worn out, you feel like you don't have any strength left. A godly man, a man is committed and trusting in the strength of God. This is how he quits. He stops for a moment and goes... Help me again, Lord. It goes on. Amen. We don't stop. We don't give up. We walk in the strength of the Almighty God. And God can give your body strength. He can give your soul strength. He can stir your spirit in you. We just need to enjoy and trust and test God's ability to give us strength to go on each day. Then the telling of God's salvation. In verse 2, it says, For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. You know, Mark chapter 16, Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Every creature. 
And so we don't stop telling people about Jesus. I remember back in the 80s when we were starting the church, my wife and I, people were talking about, well, you know, you can't use the term born again anymore because the Catholic Church is using that now and other people are using it. And secular world is, came out with a song about this sensual type of love and I'm born again because of that and all this. And you can't use the term born again. Don't tell me you can't use the term born again. Jesus said, you accept a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And so we can praise God because we still have the ability to tell people the way of salvation. Jesus Christ is our way of salvation, and because of that, I can praise the Lord. If I have nothing else in this world to rejoice in and be excited about, I can rejoice and say I'm saved. I'm going to tell you, there's problems in church all the time. I'm going to turn this thing on. I feel like running this morning. (laughs) Third gear. Put her up fourth. <laughs> what was they talking about? <laughs> you don't have anything else to talk about, you can talk about your salvation. Amen. I'll tell you, I've had to deal with problems in my personal life. I've had to deal with problems in church. I've pastored three churches and I found this. Uh, people are the same wherever you're at. The names are changed to protect the innocent. That's all. Amen. I don't care what you're going to have to go through or what you have to deal with. I can tell you this right now. When everything's falling apart, when it seems like you have nowhere to go, when it seems like everybody is against you, praise God there's one in heaven who's still for you because you're saved. You're a born-again child of God. You're a child of the king. You're adopted in his family. And so why don't you just rejoice and praise the Lord because of that. Amen. You say, I just don't have much to be happy about. You don't understand what went in my life this week. I know this, he's still on the throne. I know this, he's still your savior. I know this, that he has promised to secure you for all eternity. Bless God, I'm gonna tell you, you might have to deal with things that are only temporary in this life, but you have a relationship with a God that is eternal, settled in the heaven, so let's praise the Lord, amen? That's, I love that little chorus, let's just praise the Lord. I just don't feel too happy today. Then just praise him anyway. Maybe he'll turn on your little praiser once in a while. Amen. Get you stirred up. I love that song, Ring the Bells of Heaven. Amen. Dingling. Ring the Bells of Heaven. I'll tell you, if nothing else, I can ring some bells in heaven and rejoice in the salvation of God. I'm just glad that I can praise the Lord. And Isaiah is saying the character trait And the emphasis during the millennial reign of Christ is that the people of God are going to praise the Lord. So let's just get in practice right now. Amen. Because if you don't get in practice now, you're going to be out of tune when you get into heaven. Amen. You're going to have to go to remedial praise course for heaven. (laughs) So you might as well practice now. Hey, man, I'm feeling good. All right. Notice verse 1 and 2 is the praise of God's people. Verse 3 and 4, notice the joy of God's people. It says, therefore, with joy shall they draw waters out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall ye say, praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is 
is exalted. The joy of God's people. Notice it comes from within. He says, draw waters out of the wells of salvation. There's joy that comes from within. That joy that comes from within is based on the fact that we have the presence of Christ. In John chapter 15, you read John chapter 17, you just read over and over again through the epistles of the Apostle Paul, uh, this constant acknowledgement of the presence of God in your life. You realize this, there's nothing you can do, no place you can ever go where you're ever going to be removed from the presence of God. So I can have joy. I might not be hilariously laughing because of the tragedy I'm going through, but I know this, I can still have down deep in my soul joy, unspeakable and full of glory. And so the joy, not only the praise of God's people, but the joy that comes from within God's people because of the presence of the Lord. But also because of the prevalence of the word. I had to use a P, so I can't pronounce the word, but that's all right. It rhymes with the other one. This, no matter where you go, what you experience, the word of God's always there. I'm telling you, you say, why do I need to memorize scripture? Why do I need to meditate upon scripture? I'll tell you why. Because the word of God wants to prevail in your life. The word of God wants to impact every aspect of your thought process. And how can you do that if you're constantly letting ourselves to be bombarded with everything that is going on in the world? We watch news. We listen to media. We read information and all this, that, and the other you need to be reading the Word of God more than all that stuff. Because of the fact, that'll give you joy. Then I thought about the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, if you have not the Spirit of God, it's because you're none of His. These people teach, well, after you get saved, then you got to pray and pray through so you can get the Holy Ghost. I don't know what Holy Ghost they're trying to get. But I know this, uh, when the Lord saved me, he baptized me in the Holy Ghost. He gave me the Holy Spirit of God. And may I say this, Holy Spirit of God comes into every person who's born again at the point when they get born again. All I got to do is surrender my life to the Holy Spirit in a way that the Holy Spirit gets more of me so that his power can flow through me. And we need to live in light of the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit of God is still powerful. He's still God and he still lives in you as his temple. Then let's start living and walking and enjoying our Christian life because of the presence and the power of the Spirit of God. Well, the coming from within. The joy of God's people is focusing on the Lord. It says in verse 4, And in that day shall ye say, Praise the Lord. Call upon His name. Focusing on the Lord. We have too much focus on everything else. We're looking at the stock market. Everything's falling apart. So what? We all knew that was going to happen anyway. These things go in cycles. They puff it all up to get all your money put in there. Then they take it all away. <laughs> Happens all the time. You take a look at life and you say, well, wait a minute. There's sickness and diseases all around us. Yeah, you're absolutely right. When this disease gets done, there's going to be another disease. It's the way it goes. That's the way it, what happens in this world that is corrupt. The focus of the Christian has to be on his God. Because if you let something grab your attention 
that is not on Christ, it will destroy you and rob you of your joy. I don't care what's going on. God is still on the throne. He is still in control. And the way that I can be happy and the way I can be joyful is I'm going to look to heaven and I'm going to look and focus everything on my Savior because he is the one who will provide for me. He is the one that will strengthen me. He is the one that will protect me. He is the one that will bless me. And bless God, if I come in the end of my life, he's the one that's going to take me. I just know this, that I need to look on Christ because everything else ain't worthwhile looking. Amen. Amen. We need to have the joy. Too many people lost their joy. Notice not only this joy coming from within them because of focusing on the Lord, but declaring his works. He said, declare his doings among the people. Let me ask you something. What did God do in your life this week? I think a lot of times we have a problem coming in the church and being happy. Have a lot of times we have problems coming in the church and praising God because we haven't been looking to him and so we haven't seen what he wanted to do. And you know what? The reality is he may have done something great in your life and you've missed it. Now I don't have a cable or TV or anything like that. We just buy some DVDs or whatever, watch them. I always I tell my wife, you know, you watch these things and all of a sudden you come to the end of the show or something and it says, to be continued, you know. <laughs> and I tell her, I can't believe this. Now, I have the DVD to continue it. <laughs> I tell her, I can't believe this. Every time I watch a show, it's to be continued. And many times what we're doing is we're living our life in the realm of the reality of the world that everything has to be continued and your life gets stopped at that point and you're worried about, you got to wait till next week to be able to watch that, whatever it may be. Hey, get a DVD, you put the next one in. You don't have to wait till next week, amen? You can continue on. And we just have to be willing to declare what God is doing in our life continually on and on and on. I'm going to tell you, if you're not going to talk about God, you ain't going to be happy long. Declare his works. God's done some great things. God is doing great things in our church. God's doing great things in people's lives. We need to declare his good works. We need to speak about those things. Not only uh, focusing on the Lord, declaring his works, but exalting his name. Notice in uh, verse 4 it says, Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. It'd be nice to tell somebody once in a while, you know what, my God is God. My God is the Savior. My God is on the throne. My God does provide for me. My God is taking care of me. It'd be nice if we just lifted up his name once in a while. His name is Jesus Christ. You know, you have all these ecumenical things many times where people want to be able to have a meeting or whatever and they don't want you to pray in Jesus' name. No, we pray in Jesus' name. We declare Jesus' name. We exalt Jesus' name. We share Jesus' name with everyone. We exalt his name. And so it, if we'll do that, we'll have joy and we'll have happiness. A.B. Simpson said this. If you ever want to read a good old writer, especially one on the Holy Spirit, he has a two-book two volume set on the Holy Spirit of God that I've read two times. And uh, old uh, Dick Jones used to be a member of our church years ago when I was starting the church, gave me those two books. 
Those books changed my life. A.B. Simpson on the Holy Ghost. Uh, he said this, it is, it is his joy that remains in us that makes our joy full. People say, I just, I'm just not happy as a Christian. Is it because you're trying to find the joy in the world? Now, there's entertainment. There's things that you can experience in the world, but that's not where you get your joy. We're talking about a temperament. We're talking about a character trait. We're talking about who we are. The joy, our joy is the Lord. I like what uh, um, George Whitfield said, old preacher from years gone by. He said this, I was delivered from the burden that had so heavily suppressed me. The spirit of mourning was taken from me. And I knew what it was to truly rejoice in God, my Savior. God has taken our burdens away. He has lifted them, and because he has lifted them, then we can really know what it is to rejoice and have happiness down in our soul. Well, D.L. Moody said this, the Lord gives his people perpetual joy when they walk in obedience to him. And I've never, I listen, I've never seen a person who says they're a Christian. They really are a Christian. They know that they're a Christian. They know they're going to heaven who is living away from God that has real joy. Oh, they might have temporary happiness. Oh, they might be able to experience some things of the world that kind of gives them some happiness once in a while. But they don't have the perpetual down deep joy of the Lord. I've got joy, 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 joy. Where? Down in my heart. I don't have joy, 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 joy out in this world. I don't have joy, 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 joy because I disobey God. No, I have joy, 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 joy down deep in my heart. And it's because Jesus Christ is the one that put it there. And bless God, we ought to start acting like we do have the joy. It would be good to get the joyer to come up and hit the lips once in a while. I struggle with that. I was, I was in the Marine Corps. They told us you look lean, green, fighting machine. So you look like that, amen? Now I'm just a hunk. That's all I am. <laughs> I was told, my dad was a stern guy. So I watched him. I'm a stern guy. When I was in the Marine Corps, I got, you got to look stern. You can't smile. My wife keeps saying, smile. I said, I am smiling. But I can tell you what, I might not smile a lot, but I'm going to tell you, I got joy in my heart. I'm ready to praise God and I'm ready to be happy in the Lord. Amen. You say, why is that? Because that's what it's going to be like when Jesus reigns. Well, we're finish up here. I see the praise of God's people. I see the joy of God's people. And I see the song of God's people. Notice in verse 5, sing unto the Lord. You say, I don't have a good voice. That's all right. Most of us don't. We don't want you in the choir. You can stay out there. Amen. Amen. <laughs> sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitants of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Three things. Its value makes me thankful. If you can't sing a song of praise to God, it's because of the fact you don't understand the value of singing praises unto the Lord. 
Because when we sing praises unto God, it makes us thankful. And I'm telling you, driving down the road, I get happy in the Lord. I don't have the CD player on or anything. I just start singing songs. I start directing songs while I'm singing. You think I'm bad directing up here? You all see me directing in my car. I have people go by me and look at me like, what is wrong with this guy? You need to sing on the Lord. It's value. It is valuable to sing. When we're singing in congregations, you need to sing. You're not going to get happy in God by sitting there with a sour puss on and not being willing to sing unto the Lord. It is valuable. Singing to God acknowledges his goodness to me and it gives me a grateful heart. Song of God's people. Its value makes me thankful. Its verity makes me hopeful. My wife's laughing because I always have to make these V's and everything. Verity truth. You don't know what that word is. I know you're on your cell phones looking up in Google. What does that mean? It means truth. So the value of singing is I'm going to have a grateful heart because I'm singing about all the things that God is to me. The verity or the truthfulness of what I'm singing about, I've got a home in heaven. I've got a mansion. Well, hey, that's true. I do have a mansion. I'm glad I don't have a room. My Bible says I have an mansion, amen? And uh, the truth of what I sing about gives me hope. And then the volume, (laughs) I like this one. The volume makes me emotional. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitants of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst... In other words, you sing loud. You sing out. And the volume stirs me and excites me. And I think oftentimes we need to get stirred up sometimes. I just don't like noise in the church. <laughs> I've had people say that to me. I just don't like that shouting that you do when you're preaching. Hey, the volume will stir you up, Amen. Well, I just don't like, I don't like singing all those songs and just people, you know, people singing around me too loud. Start singing out. Start making a a joyful noise under the Lord. I'll tell you, the volume will get to you. Amen. I love, listen, I love being at a conference where all men are that aren't afraid to sing because, and I like to get right in the middle of all of them. And hear what God is saying through their songs that they're singing and their excitement. And I'm glad they're not singing out there, yes, Jesus loves me. At one point in our song this morning, I told the men at one part, I said, I want broad, manly sound. I mean, when you hit that, I want to hear you guys. Amen. Get it out there. Let's put some volume in it. Why? Because volume will stir your emotion. Shout unto the Lord. That's what it says. Charles Spurgeon said this. I got to get done here. I'm going to be going into Sunday school. Charles Spurgeon said this. Praise is the rehearsal of our eternal song. (laughs) I like it. By grace we learn to sing and in glory we continue to sing. What will some of you do when you get to heaven? If you go on grumbling all the way, 
And he went on to say this, do not hope to get to heaven in that style, but now begin to bless the name of the Lord. The greatness of our Lord, the greatness of our God. The greatness of our God is joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. The joy, the, the reality of the greatness of our God gives us a song to sing. And oftentimes people are so worried arguing over the song. Well, it's a contemporary song. Oh, it's too traditional song. I understand there's a fine line between compromise and, and uh, standing for God. I, long, uh, I understand that. But I'm afraid there's too many believers that have lost their ability to praise God because there's too much evaluation of what's being sung. I know my wife and I have struggled with this because we took voice lessons in Bible college and all this, that, and the other. I took basic music theory and all, and I had a problem there for a while. Somebody get up to sing, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, they're not using proper breath support. <laughs> they're singing all in their throat. They're, they're going to ruin their voice. They need to bring it from the diaphragm, push it up real nice and loud out. And I, listen, I had to get over that. You know why? Because it was robbing me of getting excited about the song that was being sung. You say, well, I'm saying, I'm just saying we have a great God. And if we have a great God, why can't we just praise him? If we have a great God, then why can't we just be happy in him? If we have a great God, then why can't, why can't we see the value of singing praises to our Lord? Amen. Well, let's bow and pray. Father, we're thankful for the greatness of our God. We're thankful that you give us something to sing about, talk about, preach about, share about. Lord, we have something that is magnificent. And it's not us or what we can do. It's Christ and Christ alone. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd bless in this invitation. Or maybe somebody needs to be saved today. Pray they would come to this great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord... You would stir believers in their faith that we might be able to praise our God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing.